What's going on, people? It is Michael Hunter. It is also the 7th of June. This is ACC Basketball Report, episode number 66. I hope you guys all enjoyed the Jeff Goodman episode. I really enjoyed recording it and put it out to you. Today, I've got another uh, high-profile guest in Blake Lavelle, who is the host of the Marching to Madness podcast. They... <clears throat> perform interviews with coaches all across the country. Uh, nobody is off limits to these guys. These guys, if you're a coach in the NCAA at a D1 school, these guys have probably interviewed you. Um, really cool podcast. They kind of keep it short, kind of quick hitters, uh, get pertinent information out. They seem to have a really good rapport with coaches across the country. So definitely give them a look uh, on Apple Podcasts. Again, Marching to Madness. And it's, it's just a cool show. It, it kind of gives you a feel for these coaches where they're not talking to guys like, you know, not that it's a bad thing. They're not talking to Rothstein or Goodman or, or guys that kind of have a, a programmed kind of feel to them. Though Goodman kind of doesn't really have that kind of feel. Goodman would talk about anything. But Rothstein, <clears throat> again, he, he's kind of robotic in, in how he conducts his interviews. But these guys, these guys are just cool guys. So check them out. He's also a writer for Athlon, a writer for Blue Ribbon Yearbook, um, and you know one of the one of the true gentlemen I think of of, of college basketball independence right now. Blake is just a, a really cool guy, and got easily the best beard in the industry. I think I've said that before. Um, you know my beard. I strive to be like Blake Lavelle in my beard game. So. <clears throat> Good times with Blake. Kind of a shorter interview, I think, but uh, but a lot of good information. We talked about Kerry Blackshear again. You know, Blackshear to me is a very intriguing story, which is why I keep bringing him up in these interviews to see if anybody has any idea. And as of right now, you know, we recorded this interview a few days ago, but right now it's looking like Arkansas again. This is a this is Friday afternoon that I'm putting this out right now. So you know, <clears throat> Goodman said. You know, when I talked to Blake, it was it was Florida. We thought when I talked to Goodman the other day, it was Tennessee was was a possibility. And now a couple of days later, it looks like Arkansas. So e- either shifting tremendously day to day, or nobody really knows what this guy's up to. So it, it's it's Kerry Blackshear Jr. is one of the most intriguing stories of this offseason. and I'm going to continue to talk about him with all my guests. So for right now. Uh, it's looking like Arkansas as of, as uh, at the time of this interview it was Florida, and then Monday evening with Jeff it was uh, it was uh, I'm sorry Tuesday evening with Jeff it was possibly Tennessee. So who knows? We'll see when we see. But for right now, I hope you guys enjoy me sitting down with Blake Lavelle. Jack inbounds goes to Lewis. Here's Jack out front. Jack on the line. Yeah! Roy Williams went to Tennessee. Blake, how's it going, man? Hey, what's up, man? How are you? I'm well, thanks. I uh, appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, no problem at all, man. So I've been, uh, you know, doing ACCBR uh, kind of in the off season. I kind of wanted to make the rounds to some Power Six conferences, and you know, you're you're the SEC guy that I know, so I wanted to bring <laughs> you on. Um, I did my top twenty-five the other day, and I've got five SEC teams in my preseason top twenty-five. That being uh, Kentucky, Florida, LSU, Tennessee, and Auburn. Um, <clears throat> kind of shaky on a couple of them. And uh, I was wondering about, uh, you know, what your thoughts were on those five teams or possibly some others that I may have overlooked. 
Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's kind of – I was kind of going over mine the, the past week or so. And it's interesting because, you know, I think the SEC, whereas the past couple of years has kind of got to that point where it's like, okay, well, they're finally there. But I do think maybe this next year is going to be one of those kind of interesting seasons where, you know, there, there's just not – I don't know. They're certainly going to be younger because you've had so many guys, you know, leave for the draft and all that and, and really key players. But you also look at all these, these freshman classes and they've got so many good guys coming in. You've got transfers, too, that are going to help. And I think it's pretty clear Kentucky's going to be the team that, that everybody kind of looks at. But you, you look beyond that, I think Florida's probably the, the team I'd put right behind them. But, you know, Auburn and LSU are going to be ones that, that people will put in that next group. Uh, but, you know, they could kind of have sort of a shaky start because they've got to replace, you know, their key guys too. With Auburn, you got Harper and Brown. you got LSU with Waters and Reed. and um, So so there's a, kind of a lot that, that goes along with that. And so it's, it's going to be fascinating and maybe more so than we've seen maybe in recent years with the SEC. Um, I took a little bit of heat uh, with the Boston Brackets crew for, for having Auburn in there. I am – a really big fan of Samir Doughty. I think Javon McCormick could be, you know, a really nice player given the opportunity. I really like their incoming freshman, freshman and Isaac Okoro. Um, am I, are you, do you think Auburn's top 25 team right now? I think I would put them in there. And I think probably, you know, if you had to ask me where I'd put them in the SEC part of that, I'd probably put them third at, at the moment. And I'd put them behind Kentucky and Florida because, um, like I said, I'm really sort of high on those two. But with Auburn, I also think it's sort of a sense of style. And, you know, we talk about Jared Harper, Bryce Brown, Chumo Kiki, who I didn't mention earlier, but certainly, you know, he's someone, too, that, that's a big part of that puzzle for them. But it's like, you know, Dowdy, McCormick, um, you know, McLemore's coming back, Wiley's coming back, Purifoy, all these guys played know key roles in a team that made a final four and right. so it's like it's it's hard to look beyond that and say well yeah I, we know just how much production that that, that trio that they lost and, and that's not even you know a guy like horace spencer too of course spencer was kind of one of their uh, most underrated players he got better and better and played a key role for him too and it's it's kind of one of those deals where i mean at this point it, it's hard to doubt how Bruce Pearl is going to just kind of plug these guys into the system and, and not miss a beat. Now they're, you know, are the expectations going to be a final four? No, I don't think so, but I do think they're going to be really good. And I do think they've got a freshman class that, that's probably going to come in and have several guys who can help them there too. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I had um, Mississippi state in there. It, it would have been six teams until I started poking around a little bit. Um, Lamar, is it Peters or Lamar? Steve? I, I get them mixed up from, the point yeah, guard, anyway. Yeah. He's, he's gone, is that correct? Yeah. And Nick Witherspoon, from what I've read, is still not with the team. Is he expected to re rejoin Mississippi State at some point? I think he's, yeah. They're going with the impression that, that he'll, you know, and he will. He'll, he'll kind of be their go-to guy next year. And so, you know, with him and Reggie Perry, those are probably the two they're, they're really leaning on, most likely. And then the, uh, the Carter kid, I believe, Tyson Carter. Yeah, so, so there's, you know, guys like that, too. And, you know, you think about it, they they've got a, a pretty, you know, solid nucleus, I think, coming back. But also look at it, and like you just said, you know, losing Peters and 
Quindary Weatherspoon, it's like, man, th- those are two guys that, that had the ball in their hand a whole lot. Right, and, and Eric Coleman as well. Yeah, exactly, someone like that too. And it, it's kind of similar to Auburn when we talk about Harper and Brown, but it, it's a different scenario, but it is. It's like, you know, two guys that, that really, in terms of production, in terms of just having the ball in their hands, uh, it's going to be sort of interesting to see how they adjust to that. So we, we talked a little bit about Kentucky earlier. Um, probably the, 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 the number one seed, the, the best team in the SEC right now. I'm not maybe as big on Ashton Hagens as some. He's, he struggles a little bit on the offensive end. Um, you know, E.J. Montgomery is, is kind of, you know, hot and cold. Nick Richards is basically a rebounder at this point. Have, have you seen these freshmen enough to think that they're going to have the offense that, uh, that they lost? Yeah, and see, I think that's always something with them where, you know, maybe there have been years, for instance, when Malik Monk came in, when mm-hmm. he was in that group with De'Aaron Fox. I think they were just complete standout. You knew right away that those guys offensively were going to be able to kind of give them what they needed. And, you know, I think we remember back to that, maybe it was the game with North Carolina. It was a real high-scoring mm-hmm. game that year, and, you know, Monk just went off, and you just kind of saw – what they were capable of offensively and it was so early kind of in the season where you're like okay well they're they're going to hit their stride at some point and they're going to be really really good and it's just kind of uh, one of those deals where you feel like they're always going to get there but with this group i, I do think you know losing the, the guys that they lost offensively you know kelvin johnson Tyler hero and, and all these different guys who like we said with some of these other teams it's just really a matter of guys who had the ball in their hand a whole lot and, you know, you bring in, you know, these new guys and you're like, OK, well, how offensively, defensively, they're going to be fine. And I think it's, you know, bringing back Richards and Montgomery and all that. It's like, I mean, you're going to have hard time scoring on Kentucky. in the mm-hmm. And it's one of those deals where I think offensively, you know, Tyrese Maxey, Khalil Whitney, all these different guys, are they going to be able to come in and mesh together? And it seems like they, they always do this for those first couple months. They're kind of adjusting chemistry-wise, uh, getting used to each other on the offensive end before, especially. If they're able to do that, you know, once again, they're, they're going to be a national title contender type of team. But it could be another one of those teams where maybe it takes a little while just on the offensive side. Do you think that they're still a, uh, a possible destination for, for Kerry Blackshear Jr.? I think that he might end up someplace like Florida. Yeah, if I had to pick between the two, my, my guess would probably be um, Florida would, would be the one that, that seemed more likely. But as I've learned over the years, um, I think anytime you say that and you you don't feel like Kentucky's the favorite, you, you kind of pay for that at some point. But uh, but no, I do think, you know, certainly that those are two that, that he would really consider at this point, um, you know, based on, on him, you know, saying that he's going to kind of continue to explore his options. But uh, it seems like the momentum, just for, from hearsay, and that's not from, from me sort of uh, knowing anything on the inside on that, but just from hearsay, you feel like Florida maybe has a pretty good chance. It may be a little bit better for Kentucky in that scenario. But like I said, I don't want to never say never when it comes to Kentucky. <laughs> so I, I said yesterday on the on the Boston Brackets podcast that, if he ended up in Lexington, I think Kentucky might be the number one team in the country. If he ends up at Florida, do you think Florida is the number one team in the SEC? Well, I'll tell you, if he ends up at Florida, I think that they're they're pretty pretty close to each other. And the only reason I think people probably would still sort of lean um, in Kentucky's favor on that is I do still think Florida is going to have some questions to answer when it comes to 
just kind of their big man in the paint, mm -hmm. and they're going to have to kind of figure some things out there. Um, probably for, for them to feel like a legitimate Final Four type of team. But, look, I mean, that, that freshman class now becomes sophomores next season. You bring in a freshman class um, that's, that's one of the best in the country, and it's just kind of like, you know, if they can get through kind of similar to Kentucky, if they can get through some of those kind of youthful uh, mistakes early on and get that out of the way, maybe they go into SEC play kind of hitting their stride. And I think Florida's one of those teams that, you know, maybe the SEC doesn't have as many sort of you feel like teams that can make a Final Four. This past year I thought there could be five. But maybe next year, maybe there's not as many of those teams. But if they were to get him, I think you put Kentucky 1A, maybe Florida 1B, and uh, you kind of see a little bit uh, of people kind of sliding behind those two. Yeah, I think, you know, people, I, I don't think that there was ever any question that Andrew Nemhard was going to come back to Florida, but yeah. his return to Gainesville is maybe one of the most overlooked returns uh, of that draft day decision, um, and, and that gives that Florida backcourt, maybe my favorite backcourt in the entire country. I, Noah Locke is fantastic. Yeah. Keontae Johnson is great. Um, I'm really looking forward to watching the Gators play this year. <clears throat> no, they're going to be fun. I mean, and that's what we said. We talk about a guy that, that has the ball in his hands that much. I mean, look at Nimhard and just how he just plays the game. I mean, he's just such a smooth player. And then, you know, you add these smooth players with him. you got Scotty Lewis coming in. And right. It's just like, man, they, they are going to be, I think, really fun to watch because the thing we know about Mike White's teams is that defensively, you know, aside from maybe a couple of years ago where they had that team that could just shoot the lights out and mm -hmm. then they just get so inconsistent defensively that they kind of couldn't reach their potential. But defensively, when, when they kind of play to that system, they can be really, really good. And then now they kind of have the offensive firepower to back that up. Uh, so, so they could really be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, we haven't even mentioned Trey Mann, who is yep. dynamic, to say the least. So, yeah, Florida's going to be really fun. Um Jumping in, I, I, I would do my people a disservice if I didn't bring it up. One of the guys that it seems like you have on at least as much as anybody on your podcast is Georgia Tech coach Josh Pastner. Um, I'm interested to see you know, what, what your impression of Josh is and what kind of fit he is in Atlanta. And obviously he, he struggled a little bit on the recruiting trail. You know, I, I don't know what conversations you've had off air, what kind of relationship you guys have. But uh, what's your impression on Josh, and, and do you think he could turn it around at, at Georgia Tech, or is that something where he might have to move off? Yeah, and I think it's such a fascinating situation. I was just kind of talking with somebody about this, and it's uh, it's one of those things where it feels like he's been there a lot longer than he has been. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of a deal where you kind of look at it, and it's like, okay, well, he's been there three seasons. And I think it's because we go back to that very first season he was there. Mm -hmm. and, you know, they win 21 games. And that was just, I'll tell you, I was one of those people that went into that season saying, you know, <laughs> this could legitimately be one of the worst power conference teams in the country. Mm -hmm. And I'm not afraid to admit that. I think a lot of people nah. looked at it that way. People, people know, Georgia Tech fans focus on Rothstein because Rothstein tweeted that out pretty uh, pretty famously. <laughs> and, and people were on him a year later about that. It was, it was pretty yeah. amusing. And that's, you know, that's why I always laugh about sort of preseason projections. We all love to do them. Mm -hmm. but at the end of the day, I think we all know we're going to miss on some really bad at some point. And, <laughs> and that was one of those where, like we said, we, we came into the season and you looked at it and you're like, man, it's just on paper, which is that's what you have to go off of. On mm -hmm. paper, it's just like, man, it just it wasn't there. And, and you had no idea how rough it could be. And then to get to where they were that year 
and it's like, okay, well, I, I think he kind of said this probably when he came on once one time, and I can't remember exactly when it was, but, you know, he's like, well, for us to win that many games, he's like, well, all of a sudden the expectations go up really quickly mm-hmm. versus when he was first hired. I think everyone sat there and said, well, this is probably going to take three or four years for him to feel like they're on solid ground. And so for them to kind of win that quickly, um, it kind of put them in an interesting spot because you knew there was going to be a drop off, I mm-hmm. think. And then, like we said, you know, and you're one, you're someone who's talked about this many times, just as everyone kind of does in college basketball now, where the NBA draft, just the early entrance and all that affects teams differently every single year. And I think the, the Josh Okogi thing was something where, you know, you knew you felt like he was going to go and sure enough he did. And it just kind of, it impacts you every single year to where you're kind of looking at your roster. But now I do think they're set up with some good young talent. It's just, you know, they haven't had sort of that experience in these recent years. You brought up the recruiting. Um, that's something where th- there's always going to be people that kind of have question marks about that in terms of you feel like you have to, to sort of improve that and get it to a point to where um, it's on par with some of these other teams you're competing with. And, and that's something, too, and not to get too long-winded on this, but, you know, the ACC is just such a, a different beast now to where it was, you know, even before we talked about conference realignment and all that. Well, the ACC is just in a situation where who do they have? At Louisville, at Syracuse, at, you know, it's like it's just you look at the coaches above there and it's just, man, it, it's so hard to kind of break in and find that sustained success year in and year out. So, I think he's a good coach. Uh, I do think it, it is, you know, it's a tough situation to be able to find that success uh, year in and year out. So it, it's certainly going to be kind of fascinating to see how it continues to unfold. Yeah, I think, you know, where I think Passner got in trouble a little bit, and, not, and it's by no fault of his own, is that people want to say, well, look at how he recruited at Memphis and look how he's recruiting yep. at Georgia Tech. Right. Well, Memphis, as you know, is a completely different animal. You know, yeah. Memphis people want Memphis kids to go to Memphis. And they want to – I mean, you know, other than the Grizzlies, which I think Memphis Tigers basketball is probably <laughs> bigger in that town. Yeah. But those kids want to go to that school. And when you're talking about the city of Atlanta, I mean, Georgia Tech hasn't been – you know, 2009, 2010 was the last time they went to the tournament. So, yeah. you know, people don't remember 2003, 2004 going to the championship game. <laughs> And, you know, I, I think that's an unfair expectation for Josh, which that situation in Memphis became kind of toxic towards the end as well. So yeah. it, it's nice that he's able to pull in hometown guys like James Banks and Jordan Usher and Bubba Parham and, and guys that are coming back home. But I think with the, the amount of talent in Atlanta, they've got to figure out a way to open that pipeline back up and get some of them kids to stay home. Yeah, and look, and it's, you know, like you said, we talk about kind of the, the situation where with who you're competing against, too. I mean, let's face it, it doesn't help either that, that Tom Crean's in Georgia now. And, yeah. you know, Bruce Pearl is like, a fixture in, in Atlanta. Yeah, you know. exactly. It's just kind of you're seeing these guys come in there and, you know, get this talent, like you just said. I mean, you get someone like Bruce Pearl, and, and now he's coming off a of Final Four. Mm-hmm. So you're telling me that, that he's not going to be able to, to continue that momentum and all that. And it's just kind of like, it gets tougher and tougher, man, and it's just um, – it is. It, it's hard, and like you said earlier, I mean, it, it's something where you look at that and you're like, well, you look at what he was able to do at Memphis, um, and now it's kind of a – it's a different situation, and it's just kind of trying to find that pattern that works for you, and, you know, th- th- they've got to continue to find that because we know kind of you know, defensively with the way they play, they, they've been okay, yeah. but it's just that they have not been able to find any sort of – 
rhythm offensively year by year and you know they've got to get better shooting ball and they've got to find guys like that uh, that they can sort of just be consistent people they can rely on uh, offensively do those things you know it's funny that we talk about Bruce Pearl and I remember I don't know this was probably two or three years ago I was I was down in Wilmington and I was listening to I believe it was Rothstein was doing an interview with Pearl and it was right when he was fresh off his show cause he had only been at Auburn maybe a season and he was just just talking to Rothstein and how he talks about his kids and talks about his players. And I went into the interview thinking, you know, this guy's kind of a joke. He's kind of pompous. He's kind of a dirtbag. And then after I listened to him talk, I was like, I'd send my kid to play for that guy. <laughs> like He's <laughs> yeah. so charismatic that it's really difficult not to like him. And his players would run through a wall. And um, he's pulled a lot of talent out of – I mean, Okoro is – out of Atlanta, Kiki's out of Atlanta, Jared Harper's out of Atlanta. All these guys are Georgia guys. And, I mean, he's he's just – he's been a real force as far as recruiting Atlanta. Yeah, and I always have fun with that. You know, covering the SEC, you have Alabama fans, you have Auburn fans that follow you. And so we always we always have fun with that on Twitter back and forth because, like, anytime <laughs> I say something positive about Bruce Pearl, obviously the Auburn fans love it, but then the Alabama fans are all over me and you know, making jokes and all that. But – I tell you, and I've said this to many people, not just, you know, and, and I haven't just said this this past year because they went to the Final Four, but I've said this for years now. The most underrated aspect of Bruce Pearl is the way he's able to get good players and make them even better. Mm -hmm. And that's not something every coach can do is, you know, like we said, sure, you can bring in four stars and five stars left and right, but if they leave and they haven't kind of gotten that much better – it doesn't really matter, does it? But he brings in guys, whether they're four-star, five-star, three-star, it seems like every single player, for the most part, that he brings in gets better. And we were talking about Dowdy, McCormick, those guys who, you know, they, they come in, the expectations aren't that high, but they play such a key role. And he seems like he does that every single season now with these guys. I think everybody can look at, you know, the situation with all that, him getting trouble in the past and all that, but I think it's one of those things where I don't think he gets enough credit just for the pure coaching aspect mm -hmm. of it. And like you said, that that can be such one of those things where you're able to get all these kids because people see that and people yeah. realize, okay, I'm going to go there as a five-star recruit, but you know, I know I'm not going to just sit there and be handed something and go to the NBA. I know I'm probably going to get better, and, and it's such one of those things that, that appeals to, to guys. I think. Yeah, it, it, he's he's made Auburn into a national power, and it's it's incredible at yeah. the way he's done it. Um, switching gears a little bit, I've, I I pulled my guys um, the other day, and I said, you know, I got Blake coming on. You know, if you guys have any questions you want me to ask him, you know, fire away. And one of the guys that contributes to my site is, of course, the chimp. And <laughs> my favorite guy ever. <laughs> Between him and the Fire Brownell uh, Twitter guy. And uh, there's a couple other guys, Shooter McGavin. They, they make Twitter really fun. But uh, he he wanted me to ask you a question. A couple of them actually. You you make your your way around the country from small school, big school, everybody. Who has been the most entertaining coach that you've interviewed? I I tell you, and I was you know I was looking at this, and it's funny because, and I don't mean this in a in a way that comes across arrogant or anything like that, but I do forget sometimes some of the guys that we've interviewed. It, it feels <laughs> like we've, we it feels like we've been doing this for so long, and it's like well we started this three years ago, 
and you know we're up to what, like 370 something episodes yeah. now and we've probably interviewed uh, we're you know i don't know how many exact coaches we've interviewed but we've probably had 250 300 near 300 interviews period and it's like man you look back through and i was doing this i was like gosh i forgot we even had this guy on or that guy on and it's just <laughs> It's so funny because it's like, man, you know, it is. I love it, and we're we're kind of happy to have the opportunity to connect with these guys. And there's been so many different personalities, and you just get different guys that that offer something unique. And I still think, you know, looking back through all the ones we've done so far, Bob Huggins, man, he's just he's <laughs> such a different sort of personality like we said and he's just he is one of the nicest kind of best personality type of people you will ever talk to and you know i think he all he's one of those two that that always kind of got a bad rap Mm -hmm. in terms of when he was at cincinnati and all that and um you know and it's just i I don't know why i just think sometimes he gets painted as this you know evil guy or this you know mean guy and all this but i tell you he's just talking to him is just you could sit there and talk to him for hours and he's someone that so fun to talk to um and we've had him on several times and there's there's so many different guys to you go up and down i mean mike bray someone at notre mm-hmm. dame you know he's one of the ones actually we we've only talked to him i think we've had him on once but he's just one he's the, the nicest guy to yeah. man just talking to him and just kind of free-flowing and, and just you know you love being able to talk to guys like that because and I said this too, and this isn't the exact same thing, but for instance, you know, the, the Juwan Howard thing in mm-hmm. Michigan and, and just seeing his press conference, we, we don't get enough of that. You don't get coaches that are kind of letting their guard down sometimes. Just we talk about coach speak and all that, and you just you get some guys who just get so into the coach speak part of it that you don't really know who they are. But right. I think having guys open up like that, um, it, it's so kind of great to see because I think the game needs more of that. Um, you need people that, that you're kind of, you know, appealing to. And it's just one of those deals where uh, you look at it like that. And, and, yeah, I think Bob Huggins and, and Mike Bray, two of my favorites, uh, they, they've been a lot of fun to talk to. Uh, I think what CBS ran a poll last year, like who would be the coach you'd want to sit down and have a beer with at a hotel lobby. And Huggins was the first guy. That, I mean, you yep. know, half a second <laughs> that popped into my mind. Like that guy has got between the Cincinnati-Xavier rivalry – um, you know, Fortson and Van Exel, those teams he had back in the 90s. Yeah. Uh, you know, West Virginia, where they just battle it out in the Big 12, even though they're, you know, hundreds of miles away from the nearest school. You know, he's got to have just unreal stories about <laughs> recruiting kids to Cincinnati and to West Virginia and maintaining a level of excellence that he's maintained throughout his career is, is, is something to be incredible. Have you guys ever interviewed Beheim? We haven't we haven't had him on yet, but yeah. um, you know I think just you know interactions and stuff with him in the past. He, he's another one of those guys. That's He'll say anything. Just, I love it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> just just a unique guy, like you said, that you just don't get a whole lot of these days. Just guys that just will open up and they just don't care. And I like that about certain guys. <laughs> me too. Me too. Um, one the one thing that the chimp did make sure that I asked you was. <laughs> If you had to follow a team or a coach for an entire season for a documentary, who would you choose to follow? I, I, I would assume maybe it's Huggins, but I didn't know if you'd go a different way on that. Well, I do think that would probably be a very fascinating one because I, there, there are probably a couple that, that you would think off the bat and maybe we all would probably look at this question a little differently based mm-hmm. on what we, we'd want to see or maybe what kind of storylines 
um, we'd be interested in. And it feels like we've had these particular, but, you know, like Duke and Kentucky, I think it's fascinating from this perspective in that we talked about talent earlier and mm-hmm. getting five-star recruits and all that. I do think that there's a level of sort of an underrated aspect of just managing egos and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And, and, you know, going around and, and seeing guys that you know are going to be picked in the top five or the top ten of the NBA draft, and uh, they know that. Mm-hmm. They know going into their college season that that's going to be the case. I think just managing, getting everyone on the same page, um, that's not easy to do. And, you know, it, it may be, you know, we look at it and that a lot of people from the outside are like, well, you know, it's easy for them to reel in the top five, ten players every single year, but it's not always easy to get everybody on the same page. And I do think it'd be fascinating just to kind of watch how a staff sort of just managed a team like that for an entire season. Um, but, but yeah, you, you'd probably be hard to, to pick against someone like Bob Huggins just because, like we said, it's just such a such a unique guy and, and all the stories you would get. And it, it's, it would be fun. There's no doubt. Blake, man, I really appreciate you taking the time to, to sit down and talk SEC hoops with me. Um, was there anything else you wanted to touch on before we get out of here? No, man, I, I appreciate it. Uh, thanks for having me on. I enjoy uh, what you guys do, and uh, I have I have a fact for you, actually. Okay. That I, I've told some of that. I, I think it's maybe Brad. Maybe Brad's the one over there at Busting mm-hmm. Brackets. I, I've told this story, too. But I would like you know you all to know that uh, it makes me feel old, but I, I'm probably not the <laughs> oldest of the group, but – I actually was the very first person to start BustingBrackets.com way back in whenever that was, um, maybe 2011. Wow. Uh, when, I, when I was still at Fansided, we, had, we did not have a college basketball website. And so somehow I was the person that, that you know, kind of uh, was reeled into doing this. And so I think maybe if you look back at the archives, the very first post, it's probably from me. So nice. um, don't don't worry about the quality of the writing, though, because I will tell you, eight years later, it was probably terrible. Oh, man, um, I, so, I don't even so want to go back to ACCBR for the very – I mean, the very first podcast, I should take it off, off the hosting <laughs> server. I just – uh, it was a learning experience for sure. I was telling the guys yesterday that uh, uh, Thomas uh, Biendit, I think his name is, yeah. was the very first podcast that I did. I think he brought me on after I did the first episode of ACC Basketball Report. And he, <laughs> we were talking about the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Uh, Brian Roth gave me the, gave me the go-ahead because I, I replied first. And I don't think Thomas has spoken to me since. He just did not like my <laughs> shtick. I had to, to make a few adjustments to my delivery after that. But it's it's I, I hear you on how you uh, make adjustments over the years. But, it's so funny. Yeah, that, and I do. I think back to that. Man, it was, um, I don't know. I, it was 2011. Maybe that was – I know UConn was involved. Maybe that was the year – I get the years mixed up. But maybe that's the year UConn, Butler was around – I don't know. It was it was around you know the NCAA tournament. I think we started the website, and um, it's so funny to think back. But I, I love it. Like I said, it'll always hold a, a special place in my heart, man. Because that's <laughs> kind of where I got my start, college basketball wise. Um, and uh, it's great to see uh, you guys doing what you're doing over there. It's a lot of fun. Well, I appreciate it, man. Um, you guys can catch uh, catch Blake at Marching to Madness podcast. And Blake, you got anything else you want to plug while I got you? 
Yeah, just uh, that. Yeah, that's where we do all the coach interviews, uh, southeasthoops.com. That's all the SEC stuff I do. But, yeah, just kind of uh, all over the place. It's June, and uh, as Rothstein said, we sleep in May, so I guess it's time to wake up and start uh, preparing for, for the new season. So. Yeah, man. All right, I appreciate it. I'll let you go. Thanks. Thanks, man. All right, take it easy. So that was my interview with Blake Lavelle. I apologize for the volume. Um, I know you guys probably had to crank it up a little bit on that one. What I noticed was as somehow in, in the studio, as, as time went on and, and I took a couple months off, um, one of the sliders on my soundboard was driven all the way down in the, in the lowest possible setting. And I, I didn't realize it when I was doing the interview. So it, it were kind of recorded at a, at a lower volume. Hopefully you guys were able to turn it up a little bit. And I wasn't too loud while he was too quiet. Uh, I hope it, I hope it comes through okay. Uh, by all means, if, if that's the case, give me some feedback. And, you know, I, I certainly do apologize. But great interview. Great um, information from, Brit, from Blake. Um, one of the more calculated opinions i think and things that he says but also very knowledgeable about things that are going on inside the southeastern conference and uh you know i thank him for his time and uh and look forward to having him on again for sure uh what as far as what we got coming up i have uh jaron anderson from uh north carolina prep hoops as well as busting brackets a a co-writer of mine um he's going to be coming on I believe I'm going to have him on in the next few days. We're going to talk about just recruiting all over um, both college basketball and then his his kind of travels around the state of North Carolina, maybe some recruits that he's a little bit higher on than maybe some of the metrics are higher on. I've never had Jay on before, but um, he's, he's a really interesting guy. He, he's going to tell you exactly what he thinks, and I'm really looking forward to having him on. Um, he, he's fairly animated sometimes like I can, I can get myself. So it, it should be a really interesting podcast and uh, I hope to make him a regular because I love to talk recruiting, but I don't know really shit about it. So it, it, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. That should be probably this coming Monday. We'll record I'll have to edit it down and then I'll probably get it out maybe Wednesday ish somewhere in there. So, um, again, if you guys could like, rate, review, subscribe, share the podcast. You know, if you know some ACC fans, relatives, anything, um, you know, pump up my numbers. I would appreciate it. Leave me a review, five stars, rate it favorably, or you know, constructive criticism is something that I always welcome. Tell me what you guys like about the podcast. Tell me what you guys don't like about the podcast. I am certainly not going to take offense. I appreciate all of you, and uh, I'm glad to be back. Hopefully. Uh, you guys are enjoying the show, and I think that's it for this week. I appreciate you guys. I'll see you out there. Later.